KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back. Hour number two, Miller and Condon, live at Principal Park. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Randy Wayhofer momentarily from the iCubs. Zubin Mahente will join us about 1120 as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. Uh, real quick, I want to promote this. I believe it's being posted as we speak at KXNO.com on the podcast link. Yesterday, Trent, uh, you weren't part of it. Uh, Emery Songer, John Hernandez, track handicapper from Prairie Meadows, Chuck Reed, who formerly did that job in the late 90s, and myself sat down and we recorded a derby podcast. Yes. Uh, probably about 20 minutes. Now, we did so prior to the defection, the scratch of the uh, morning line favorite Omaha Beach. None of us picked them. Um, so, I mean, the, the podcast, I think, is still, you know, for the most part, accurate. We mm-hmm. just didn't know that he's not going to be uh, participating in the race he scratched yesterday. But if you're so inclined, if you want to know how the four of us, we went over a variety of topics. I think it turned out pretty well, and uh, it's going to be podcast. Uh, the podcast is going to be up at KXNO.com. So if you're that person who bets one race a year, the Kentucky Derby, and you Guilty. want a little insight, um, four of us sat down. Emery Songer, uh, he, he's got the bug. Big time. Yeah. He's Van and Bonnie's producer, and uh, he's got a future in talk radio, in my opinion. And uh, Emery, John Hernandez, Chuck Reed, and myself. And that podcast will be up. If it isn't now, it's going to be up hopefully before noon. But as we mentioned, we're live at Principal Park. First pitch today is 12.08, getaway day. Randy Wayhofer, who joins us a whole bunch during the season. A couple of times when warranted during the off season, Right, Randy? Good to talk to you. Thanks for having us down here. How are you? Nice to be able to look at you while I'm yeah, right. talking to you this time around. <laughs> Indeed it is. Well, um, you know, the, the, the weather, it's April, right? It's Iowa. It's May. Well, it is May now, yeah, but April was not kind. <laughs> As you think back over the years, was this one of the more difficult opening months that you guys have had? I know there's been some bad ones, but... Yeah, I, I think our perspective is this year's been better than last year. At least we got okay. a, a good day for the opener. Mm-hmm. We've had a few nice days. I don't think we had any uh, last season. You know, We've had to uh, cancel a few because the high was going to be 38 and 30-mile-an-hour <laughs> winds, and that's not fair to fans or the players uh, to be playing in and... Uh, you know, in, in the early part of the season, you're probably uh, a little bit quicker to make those kinds of decisions mm-hmm. because until school's out, even if it was 86 degrees and sunny every day, uh, people are still in uh, that not-yet-summer routine. You know, I think about my family a lot. If I didn't work here, how many games will I get to in right. April and, and understand the point of view uh, of who we're trying to, to market to? And between softball and band and dance class and show choir and all those things. I know the challenges that are out there for people's free time. So uh, we try to be as creative as we can in April, knowing the weather's not going to be great, and we'll start ramping things up here as we get into uh, the Memorial Day holiday and then into June and July. That's when things really start cooking around here. So when you come together with this schedule, and how much goes into working with the league and talking about, hey, we're in Iowa. It's going to be cold here as opposed to, San Antonio, you guys are playing today. Do you guys get any input into that, and do they try to level it out at least to some degree and have those southern southern teams play a little bit more at home early on? No, it's it's intended to try to be as balanced as mm-hmm. possible in April because school's still going on in San Antonio, sure. and for the same reasons I just talked about, mm-hmm. they don't want any games in April either. <laughs> right. uh, you know, it's 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 not Major League Baseball. 
so therefore people don't rearrange their schedules around it uh, the way they might um, in Chicago or Milwaukee or a, a place where your team's in first place. So it, it's our job as the front office staff to create opportunities to want to come to the ballpark and that's why we did the boy scout jersey and the special mm-hmm. day with their group on sunday and and had a, a nice turnout for that and, and um, we did the event with the american cancer society on friday uh, and and you find uh reasons and groups and and promotions that resonate uh, to create some urgency in april for people to support uh, and then you know you work on the walk up and things when the when the weather changes. I want to know who was the person that was behind the foul pole advertiser, the Eat More Foul Chick Fil A. That is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Whoever came up with that deserves a raise uh, or a day off. Um, tell us what's behind that. When I saw it, hey, it's brought a smile to my face. I got it right away. Uh, that's good marketing right there, Randy Wayhofer. Well, Chick-fil-A is my account. Nice. Uh, but yeah. uh, I, I can't take credit for the idea. There's several ballparks around the country that uh, Chick-fil-A is part of. So uh, I had the opportunity to uh, just get the right conversation with uh uh, it started with Cody from uh, the Chick-fil-A. I'm, I'm Merle Hay and uh, just talked about what can we do with the ballpark. And uh, when that came open, it was a natural discussion to have. And yes, uh, he was. did a good job getting us some, some good artwork. And yeah, those turned out pretty nice. Well, Randy, let's talk a little bit about this year's squad. And one of the guys I want to get your thoughts on is Colin Ray, who an Iowa kid, which, of course, as you know, I love as a lifelong Iowan. And I remember him back at the high school level. And now here he is on the cusp of getting back to the major leagues. Colin pitched really well last night. And is he a guy that can fill that role, either if something goes awry or doubleheaders coming up for the big Cubs, that he can slide in there and be that guy that gets the jump? Uh, certainly. Uh, I think that's why the Cubs picked him up. Uh, you know, he's uh, uh, a low uh, a low risk, high reward kind of signee coming off the injury and mm-hmm. the and the comeback. I'm, I'm sure for him the opportunity to be – home uh, while he's making that journey uh, it was pretty cool when he hit the home run last night yeah. uh, I happened to be standing <laughs> nice. in front of the family section at the time and uh, he, you know there's quite a few people from Cascade and around every time he's on the mound for us this year so uh, I, I was as happy for them uh, and their reaction <laughs> as I was for Colin uh, rounding the bases so uh, yeah I, I think that uh, certainly his resume and if he's healthy uh, and what I've seen him do um, you know that's that's a that's a major league skill set, mm-hmm. uh, and when he proves that he is healthy and durable again, uh, and the opportunity presents itself, uh, no matter how soon that comes, uh, uh, you hope that he's ready for it. And then, uh, whether it's with the Cubs or, or wherever else, you, you always root for guys like that to to get their shot again. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that, and when you take a look at the at the big club uh, at, at the roster that they have. Doesn't seem like there's a lot of opportunities for these kids down here. I mean, the relievers, of course, and we've already seen that moving back and forth. Um, we know Mike Montgomery's down here in a rehab start, but there there are former I Cubs even from this year that are up and and doing well and, and being asked to uh, to get some outs at the big league level. But the everyday players, the position players, boy, Chicago is so stacked, Randy. It's got to be tough. Well, and it is, uh, and that's why there's there's got to be a, a level of understanding and a level of patience to know that um, when you're hot here, it doesn't guarantee that you're going to get right. called up, uh, you know, that your opportunity is going to be predicated on something happening up there, either someone struggling or injury, mm-hmm. uh, to open up that opportunity. And really all of AAA is uh, – making sure you're ready that when your number's called, you're in a place that you can go up and contribute 
uh, like David Bode. Yeah. Uh, you know, great, it, great example. We would have said the same thing a year ago okay. this time, probably, uh, before Addison Russell's suspension. Yeah. Uh, and you look at an infielder with Zobrist and Bryant and, and Baez and Rizzo and Tommy Lastella was still there. Mm-hmm. You would have said, where is a guy like David Bode fit in? And he was now he's just third ready. Base every day. Yeah, he was just ready for his opportunity yeah. and came through in clutch situations, proved his worth. Uh, next thing you know, Tommy Lastella is an angel, yeah. and uh, Addison Russell is in, in the major league picture for the short term. And now all of a sudden, he's an everyday guy in the big leagues, and he's doing well. And he wasn't even a high draft pick, so that's your job here: is to be ready whenever that time comes and your number is called, and then you control your destiny from there. Yeah, one of great stories. I mean, he signs a two-year deal. He got paid. He's got security for his family. I'm very happy for David Bode. You mentioned Addison Russell. How's he been when he's been down here? Uh, quiet like he yeah. was the yeah. first time that he was here. Um, you know, I don't see anything. He came from Oakland and came to Des Moines first, right? He was when he was traded from Oakland. Did he, he didn't go up first of all? Did he? I thought no, he started here. Uh, actually, he was in Double A when they acquired was him. He? Okay, uh, it was the Fourth of July of sixteen, fifteen, fifteen, I think. fifteen. Yeah, uh, I re- we were in Oklahoma City when the trade was made and came over in the Samarja deal. He went to Tennessee. He started 16 with us, and that was when he and Bryant uh, were with us. That was the year that Bryant spent the first road trip with us and got called up, and Addison stayed about three more weeks after that and got called up early in that 16 season. So he was here for a very small window um, as an I-Cub because he, he was actually a double-A player when they acquired him uh, from Oakland. But um, you know, I think his off-field issues, one of the things that uh, I talked about with Murph and Andy last week at because he's kind of a quiet, calm, steady demeanor on the field, I think the contrast of the reports that we heard yeah. about what happened between he and his ex-wife are, make it even that much more startling. It's always troubling when you hear those kinds of reports, but it's such 180 degrees from the persona that most people think they know about him from watching him as a baseball player. I, I think that's in small part uh, the rea- some of the reaction to to that. And, and you know, the Chicago Cubs are being – Pretty transparent about what they're trying to do with him uh, as a baseball player and as a person. Um, he has served out his time. He's going to stay with us, being optioned, uh, and and continue to concentrate on baseball. And uh, the Cubs have a hard decision to make uh, about how he fits as a player and how he fits as a person in their organization. Uh, but he's probably too good of a baseball player and too young to pay for this for the rest of his life if he is making the right strides that they say he is to to make the improvements personally that if the opportunity is not with the cubs uh someone else is going to see if they have the environment to continue to nurture that along i think carl edwards jr he's trying to uh make things better on the mound you know such an interesting spring for him he goes through thinks he has this new wind up everything's okay ah no right before the end of spring training that's actually illegal you can't do that and we saw him really struggle looked like he was trying to do so many different things there first couple appearances with the Cubs, what have you seen out of him, and and how close do you think he is to getting that call back up and helping out the Cubs bullpen? I think one of the things about AAA, the best thing about AAA for these guys is to get out of the fishbowl, because <laughs> uh, every once in a while, the human element of being a professional athlete, you just need to hit the reset button. Not everybody makes it as easy as Chris Bryant, yeah. uh, to, and and Anthony, even Anthony Rizzo hit 180 his first time in the big leagues with San Diego as a as a call up. Um, and so one of the benefits of uh, getting sent down, the only benefit to getting sent down, is you can just get you can 
not worry about the results. You can get back to being the guy that you were to get there. And you go back and you rebuild your mechanics. You get out of your own head. You get out of your own way. And that's what I've seen. I haven't seen any tinkering. I haven't seen uh, any pouting. I've seen the same guy that I saw when he was on his way up and his interactions with me and with our staff. And I, he looks like the pitcher that I remember in person. I don't see any of that kind of stuff. So I think as he catches his breath and returns to the form that earned him the trust to be on the mound coming out of the rain delay in Game 7 of the World Series, he will be back. Um, and now he's got to be patient and bide his yeah. time because there is no urgency to change anything about the Major League roster mm-hmm. right now. They're that playing bullpen. From what they were the first 10 days of the season to what they are. Completely different. They're playing their best baseball of the season going into their biggest weekend so Mm -hmm. far of the season with uh, their first series against the Cardinals, who are also playing outstanding baseball and and atop the division. So uh, the time will come for all of these guys. I don't know if it will be on Monday or a week from Monday or a month from Monday, but the time will come because you you need all of those guys in a 162-game Major League season. You know, we were so spoiled to have the, um, essentially, what, 80% of the Cubs roster? I mean, go around the infield. Rizzo, here. Baez, here. Bodie, here. Russell, here. Uh, Contreras, Caratini, here. Schwarber, here. Almora, here. Hendricks here. I mean, it's crazy how many guys have come through here and are now significant contributors to the big league level. Yeah, I, I, and I probably missed one or two. Seventeen of the twenty-five guys on the major league, on the roster in the World Series were I Cubs hmm. uh, in sixteen, and that number has gone up. Zagunas uh, is yeah. the extra outfielder uh, right now. Taylor Davis filling in right. for Caratini uh, is there right now. Uh, you know, the bullpen is a little bit more uh, fluid uh, as in general in baseball. Uh, so with CJ here, there's a, a few less that are uh, in Chicago. They've gone more the free agency route uh, in that direction. But they don't acquire Quintana and some of these other guys without guys that could be here right now or should have been here if they, you know, if it was another year down the line. We were we had front row seats in Des Moines for the golden age of, yeah. of Chicago Cubs baseball as we know it, uh, and it's we are like a university. Our reputation is as good as the accomplishments of our alumni, uh, and and there's no better time to have been associated with the Chicago Cubs than the last five years. You called most of them, if not all of them, right? Yeah, uh, uh, I had. Um, you know, my daughters are getting old enough now that uh, I, I'm starting to get. Do you have Chris Bryant's phone number? You know, <laughs> you, uh, you know Javi Baez. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's cool. It, What's really neat, and the thing that I go back to in being around and having the access that I did, is they all wear it completely different. But there was one unifying factor of all of those personalities. They really, it burns inside them to be the best. Mm. And I can't say that about every prospect or every player that I've seen in 21 years of being in minor league baseball. Some guys are here because the game's always been easy. Some guys are here because they don't know what else they can do. From Bryant to Hendricks to Baez to Rizzo, and Contreras, completely different people, but the unifying factor which allowed them to overcome the history in Chicago and actually get that done was the fact that they took us along for the ride and didn't said all of the right things while they were winning, but the ring for them mattered more than it did to your dead uncle. Mm. But they let your dead uncle play along too, Absolutely. and they did it beautifully. No, no doubt about it. Randy Wayho from the Iowa Cubs. Maybe an unfair as we wrap things up. You're, the one promotion, you can only pick one. What, what day at the ballpark are you looking forward to most this summer? 
I'm interested to see our first game when we wear our Demonios jerseys yeah. uh, on Saturday, June the 8th. We've gotten a really good reaction so far. I think this is such a, a cool promotion uh, that minor league baseball has given us a playbook to follow uh, to be an even bigger part of our community uh, and to, and to uh, expand our baseball family and uh, and talk to uh, baseball fans in our community that have yet to try Iowa Cubs baseball yeah. uh, in, in any big way um, for lots of factors. And we, we need to stand up and say we, we need to do a better job, and this is our attempt to, uh, to be even more inclusive in all of the things that we do. So I'm really excited to see how all this goes together. It's been almost a year's worth of planning wow. to – develop the logo and the uniforms and to make the connections in the community to 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 pull this off and, and this is just the beginning you know this is we're in this for the long term uh in terms of uh, just trying to be as diverse to match the product on the field in the stands and in our own operation as we can because uh baseball is the one thing that we have more in common than anything else i think great point uh, than, than any you know than all the things that divide us uh uh, that we talk about on, on a daily basis. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to see how that works in the stadium that day because I, I think it could be pretty special. June the 8th. Randy, thanks for having us down here. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see you again it. soon. I look forward to that. We, uh, we'll talk to Zuba Mahente next. Trent Zubin and I will go around the world of sports with ESPN Zuba Mahente. We're live at Principal Park. First pitch today, it's getaway day against San Antonio. The Brewers of AAA affiliate versus the I Cubs Triple or the Chicago Cubs AAA affiliate. Uh, downtown Des Moines, Principal Park, 1208, Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Time to go for the green with KXNO and EKG Golf. Text the keyword SUPER to 200-200 right now to enter to win $1,000 cash. That's SUPER to 200-200. Standard message and data rates apply. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, welcome back, Miller and Condon, live at Principal Park. Gates are open. Fans are starting to make their way downtown Des Moines, Principal Park. Getaway day today, 12-08 first pitch. San Antonio versus Iowa. The Brewers AAA team versus the Cubs AAA team. They will get it on at 12.08. And already more people inside of Principal Park than yesterday in Kansas City. Did you see that, by the way? Oh, does embarrassing. Not Chicago. even dozens. No, you could count them, Trent. You yeah, really could. Yeah. Uh, Chicago on the south side as well yeah. for the White Sox double. Now, that was Orioles White Sox, too, right? I mean, tough to get excited teams. about that one. Sure. I mean, Tampa Bay, they're a good team, but it's tough to get excited sure. about Tampa Bay. So we're talking Major League Baseball. Yeah, I know. There was nobody there. Yeah. Zubin Mahente joins us, ESPN. Zubin taking a couple of days off. He's in Oxford, Mississippi. Now, Zubin, good to talk to you, my friend, and we appreciate you you know, taking time to talk to us knuckleheads here as you take a couple of days away from <laughs> Bristol. Um was I was I over the top in my praise for Oxford, Mississippi? The town square is spectacular. Um, was I right, Zubin, to, I guess, promote it the way that I did? Oh, you were right on. You were absolutely right on. I mean, I'm a huge fan of sports like you guys are, but I'm also a fan of a lot of other things like history. And this place is a little bit of a sorted history. I'm actually sitting here in the Grove on a bench. Uh, it's picturesque just talking to you right nice. now took a tour of the campus. Uh, there's a statue for James Meredith, who is the first African-American ever admitted to the school in 1962. And I walked over to look at that statue. I was sitting in the lobby of my hotel last night reading the Wright Thompson book uh, that he just released. And he's from Mississippi and lives here in Oxford, our colleague at ESPN. And he talked about 
Meredith and rolling in 1962 and how good the Ole Miss football team was in 1962 and the push-pull here of having the state pride of having a team like this that was trying to compete with USC for the national title, yet also admitting this particular student and what it meant at the time. And I went over to just go see the statue. My parents are immigrants. They came from India. And I remember I was just standing at the statue about 45 minutes ago thinking to myself, wow, 57 years ago, this is one of the most dangerous places in the country. I couldn't even stand here. And then you go to the square, yeah. like you said, Ken, and you walk around, and you would never have a hint of some of the things that had happened here because it's such a jovial, lively, diverse, friendly place. Um, so it's not your typical vacation by any means, but I'm not really a sit-on-the-beach sort of guy. <laughs> I just sort of enjoy walking around, moving around, doing, seeing some things. And outside of covering the game, which obviously Ole Miss has become a big deal here in the last few years for good and bad reasons in football, as you know, I don't think I'd ever get down here. So it's uh, pretty cool. It's pretty educational. I feel my, I don't have any kids, but I feel my inner dad, let's go see this, let's see this, let's see that. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not exactly rock climbing or doing anything like that, but I'm really enjoying it. Now, I'm glad you're there, Zubin. I really am because I, I, I was uh, just blown away. Now, is the... I never got inside the football stadium. The closest I got was we were across the street, and you can see the who's in the big mural. Eli Manning, Archie Manning, isn't there? Who else is in that? Have you seen the mural? Do you know the, what I'm referring to? Yeah, I walked in and around the stadium and the pavilion, which is their uh, basketball arena, which is yeah, really beautiful, spectacular. That's open for the public, but their giant shrine. My hotel room. I'll give you this um, to, to answer your question, Eli, uh, Archie. Uh, Dexter McCluster, Patrick Wilson, yeah. who is an All-American here. Um, they've had some great players over the years. Jake Gibbs was uh, before uh, Archie Manning, and uh, he's memorialized here as well. I'll tell you how big of a deal it is. I'm staying at this place called The Graduate. It's a hotel off the square. Greenberg told me to stay because he covers some games here. And in my, in my room, there's a silhouette, and uh, underneath it it says King, and then there's a picture just next to it, and there's a silhouette of a woman It says Queen. And I asked who they are, and they're like, oh, that's Archie Manning's silhouette. That's Olivia <laughs> Manning's silhouette. This is in my hotel room. And my pass key to get into my room is Cooper Manning's student wow. ID. They, like, put it on your pass key. Instead of having, like, this arrow in, it's actually a picture of him from, like, 1992 <laughs> or whenever he enrolled. And that's how I get in and out of my room. <laughs> they are royalty, wow. Trent Condon. No Absolutely wild. <laughs> Patrick Willis, is he on there, too? Is he on yeah, that mural? a good one, yeah. He's there, All-American. Great, great stuff. And going back many, many years from Archie playing from a small town in Drew, Mississippi, and the state pride it engenders. I'm sitting here in the Grove. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Um, I'm sitting here in the Grove, and it's, it's an amazing day. It's like 80-something degrees. I'll be going into a food coma short. <laughs> uh, Zubin Mahente from ESPN. Zubin, let's spend a couple of minutes on the NBA. Playoffs are underway. Second round has been much better than the first round. In fact, it's entertaining, uh, the, a lot of these series so far. I'll get to the, you know, the referees and the officials, et cetera, and the, and the controversy behind some of the, you know, the landing space that's being taken away from the players. But I want to ask you about Joel Embiid because every time I watch him play, uh, Zubin, I'm convinced more and more so that if this guy ever is 100%, that we might be watching truly one of the, maybe the best big man in the league, and that's saying something. I think he's got a chance yeah. to, to really leave his mark. 
health permitting Zubin, what are we? What is the NBA fans missing? Not seeing him up to a hundred percent because he's got a chance to be special. Your keyword, health permitting. I remember when he was at Kansas and Wiggins was there, and all the talk was about Wiggins. And Bill Self, I remember, told one of our guys. He said, you know who the real guy is going to be? It's this guy over here. And he pointed off to the side, and it was Joel Embiid. And if you guys remember the hype Andrew Wiggins came out with, remember, because he didn't play high school yes. basketball in America, per se, Canadian guy for the most part. So people hadn't really seen his game. The influx of Canadian kids was just kind of starting at that point, And the hype was off the charts, and Embiid entered with him. And, you know, they played Stanford in an NCAA tournament game about five years ago, and they were wondering, what Wiggins was going to do and what kind of pro he's going to become. And Self was the first guy to say, hey, that other guy, that's the guy you need to watch. And he didn't really make much of an impact in college at all because, again, he was hurt again. He's been hurt in the pros. The one thing I would tell you that I think he's been ahead of the curve on, besides he's great social media-wise, great personality, Philly fans love him. The one thing I would say is a couple nights ago I was watching the Celtics and the Bucks, and Marv Albert said, and this just shows you where the league is, and this is why I think Embiid has turned into such a complete player. Marv, with no hint of sarcasm or absolutely no hint of almost saying something that he doubled back and said, did I just say that? He said, here's Robin Lopez with a rare non-three-point shot. And you're talking about a seven-footer entering the game, and he's primarily there to shoot three. Giannis shooting threes, Eric Gordon, Curry, Durant, every playoff game you watch, Jokic, Lillard, McCollum, um, everyone shooting threes. And I expect that from the guard position, Curry's changed the game with the three. He's manifested the way basketball is played. But that Joel Embiid can shoot that shot, to me, says everything about him. Because when healthy, you could say play him in the paint. And he's a little bit raw in the paint, but he's got some great moves. He's a good shot blocker, runs the floor, passes well. But his ability to hit the three at his height is really uncanny. But I remember Marv the other night saying, Lopez is a seven-footer, not even batting an eye when he shoots a three. Durant, at his height, being able to shoot the three, I think has elevated him right now to the best player in the world. So I think the one thing that Embiid does is the one thing we never expected seven-footers to do. Now, if you're Dirk, you're a foreign player in Europe, you're never playing with your back to the basket. If you're a seven-footer 20 years ago in Europe, you're playing and fronting the basket. You have to use your height to your advantage. In this country... If you're that height, you're always playing with your back to the basket. But the game has fundamentally changed, and his ability to hit the three-point shot, you have to actually guard him out there. You don't have to guard Ben Simmons, believe it or not, but you actually have to guard this guy shooting a three, and I think that has put him over the top. The rest of his game is great. He's a perfect fit for today's NBA, the way that they want to market players. I mean, he's an absolute perfect fit in that regard. But his ability to step out and hit the three – at a position where sometimes that was considered the last thing we'd ever even want you to do really makes him special. Can he stay healthy? We'll see. Every single day during the series against the Nets, it was, let's test the knee. He's questionable. He's probable. The other day in this series, he had gastroenteritis. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But if, when he gets out there, he's a unique bird, that's for sure. How important was it for the league to get past that game one of Rockets-Warriors with everybody seemingly on the floor complaining now, there was hard fouls, of course, the red eyes of James Harden from Game 2. That'll be a meme that we'll see live on in infamy for a number of years. But to just get back to basketball, because it felt like on the national scale, it was tipping in a bad direction after Game 1. I think, Trent, we're up beyond the point of return in this series. Once the Rockets put out that intel that they mm-hmm. feel that they were robbed of the title last year, and for your listeners that may not be aware, they did some data analysis and 
the Rockets are the leader in NBA analytics and have been for a really long time, that they felt that the referees and some of the calls that had been made last year prevented them from winning a championship. I don't know how deductible that is numbers-wise. Um, but I think when you do that, you go beyond the point of no return. I'll tell you what, if the Warriors had a motivation problem, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the Warriors being bored and not being motivated. I think that right there got them motivated. When they see the Rockets, they're not worrying about, can we get up for this game? Who's going to step up? Are we really bored? Are we going to go back to our Clippers regression? They look at the Rockets, putting out that statement, drawing a line in the sand and saying, we had the title stolen from us. And when Steve Kerr asked, What's the, uh, what Steve Kerr was asked, what's the uh, mindset of this team? What is the identity of this team? He goes, back-to-back world champions? <laughs> That's our identity? I mean, mm. I think he is so angry with what's going on. Some of your listeners may have even seen uh, the flop in a press conference. He walked into a press conference and flopped into reporter Ann Killian of the San Francisco Chronicle, yeah. caught on tape, yeah. hilarious. And he essentially was mocking the Rockets in the landing zone and the flopping that they say was going on in game one in one of his press conferences. So I think you're right. We want to get back to basketball. Harden's eye injury in game two took all the attention off of the game one incident, the Scott Foster refereeing the game, and Harden's had problems with him. He's fined $25,000 for criticizing official Scott Foster. But I think once the Rockets put that out, I, I am surprised the league actually hasn't come down and done or said something. because. But that report said is we're questioning the integrity of the officials and the league. And I'm surprised the league hasn't come down harder, but – to me, Trent, I say we're beyond the point of return. I wish it could just be about basketball. But once that went public and, you know, they leaked it, I don't think that was one of those things that ESPN just got their hands on. I think they just put it out there. Once that happened, I think that first the Warriors beyond the point of return. And it just can't be about basketball anymore. Zuba, one more real quick on, on the NBA, and then I want to move on with you. Zuba Mahente from ESPN Sports Center uh, is our guest. How important is it, Zubin, for the competitive balance, for the TV, for, for everything, that, that, that Houston makes this a series with Golden State, that it's just not like a, you know, a cakewalk on to the next round? How important is it, and can Houston make this a series? Well, obviously, I think they can. Again, Tony said the, you know, obligatory they held home court now we have to go home and get two we'll see what happens but i think he's got to be unnerved at this point because when the warriors are motivated who's going to beat them four out of five games and i think that's what you've got to be wondering right now i do think that when you look at this particular series when all is said and done i don't think it's a stretch to say that this might be the series most buzzed about and most discussed for trends reasons whether it's what happened in game one landing zone curry's finger harden's eye when all is said and done, I think this could be the most compelling series. And now remember, if the Warriors were to sweep, I don't think they will. I think the Rockets are going to show up. But if the Warriors sweep and it ends up being the most compelling series, it tells you a lot about the NBA, where it's really not about the encore drama. Because if the Warriors win 4-0 and people are talking about this series more than they're talking about any other series going 7, it tells you what the NBA is really focused on. But I think the big fish really is the Warriors moving on. And I think that's what the network really want you got to remember you know this would be their fourth final in five years the last team to go to five straight nba finals with the celtics of the 50s mm. and the 60s i think steph curry's gotten to a point where he is now known by the casual fan is he beloved like jordan or lebron probably not but we're in a different time so i don't think they're too concerned about the rockets i think tv executives everywhere especially since we have the western conference finals on espn this year uh, you definitely want to see the warriors get there because I think if we're smart about it and sports radio stations in the Bay Area are smart about it, you can really drum up interest. And I don't think this is hyperbolic because nobody shot it down. 
once they advance past this round, which they likely will, then you start to get to the countdown. How many more games will we ever see from this Warriors unit? Yep. The Warriors are on record saying they'll pay whatever it takes, keep the core intact, they privately finance their new arena, they're going to reap all the benefits and rewards from it. Um, so they have the money, deep pockets of Joe Lacob and Peter Goober. But if they win this round, then you're thinking, all right, maybe as little as eight more games with this modern-day dynasty, maybe as little as seven, six, five, depending on how close they get. And you could really start doing a countdown to either the breaking up or perhaps the culmination of the best modern-day dynasty many basketball fans have ever seen. So I think there could be a storyline there to be played if they advance. Uh, Zubin, I want to uh, pick your brain on the uh, NFL draft that has come and gone, and, and more so from your, from from your network's perspective. Look, Chicago had a back-to-back years. It was, by all accounts, very successful. Philadelphia, likewise, tried to outdo Chicago. Uh, everybody heaped praise on that. Off to Dallas. Next year, they're going to be in Las Vegas, which has a chance to be really special. But, man, Zubin, by the sounds of things, really going to have to go somewhere. The bar was set awful high by the city of Nashville. From your colleagues that covered the draft since uh since it's been over and and hopefully you've you know had a chance to bump into them whether it be in the cafeteria that we you know see on uh, on the commercials or not they uh they sung their praises nashville did a terrific job hosting this three-day event think about this for a second this is a little tv geeky but i think everybody can follow this think about this for a second i was hosting sports center before the draft on thursday and friday especially thursday was the real crescendo day, obviously. Friday's crowd was amazing. Think about this for one second. You always see those sky cam shots, right, where you see it like above the play, and you can kind of see the huddle and the quarterback breaking the huddle, those types of shots. We had a camera on a zip line, so essentially a sky cam shot. And they said to us right before we started SportsCenter, hey, we're going to try to get a shot in from, I guess it was called Broadway, right? That was the street there in Nashville where all the fans were congregating. He said, we're going to try to get it, and we'll tell you how long the shot is. We need you and Kevin Nagandi, who was my anchor that night, my co-anchor. We need you to talk over it. You'll, you'll just be amazed at what you see, the sea of people, all the jerseys, the stage. But you're going to have to talk for a really long time because for us to start the sky cam, now listen, to this, think about this in your head. For us to start the sky cam, put it on the zip line, and then we're just going to move the camera down the crowd, down the street. We will not hit the end of the fan base. We will not hit the end of the row of fans until that sky can move 40 seconds. We will just be going 40 seconds continuously down the street. So imagine it's stuck on a telephone pole somewhere on Broadway. We're going to go two-thirds of a minute, and all you're going to see is people... More people, more people, more people. And the Gandhi and I are looking at each other, like running out of things to say because the camera just will not stop. 40 seconds of pack-to-back humanity. The one funny story I will tell you that I did see in the Washington Post, which I thought was terrific, and I just put a smile on a lot of people's faces that may not love the draft so much. You and I do, Ken, and Trent, I know you're not as big of a fan, but you enjoy football. And that is Nashville has actually become the hottest bachelorette party place in the country and a lot of these ladies went during the weekend of the draft and they didn't realize the draft was going on so they're trying to have a girls night out bachelorette party except hundreds of thousands of dudes have clogged every bar every street imaginable and it sort of ruined their bachelorette party weekend because they didn't realize this is the ultimate 
dude weekend. So that was a little bit of the off the beaten path story with that, with all the people. But just think about that, a never ending camera shot almost to just sort of encapsulate how many people were there. Uh, Ken, you know Vegas much better than I. I've already been told they're thinking about Fremont Street uh, next year for the draft there. And uh, if there's any place that could top Nashville, I think it's going to be big. Oh, it's going to be outstanding, no doubt, and a lot of fun next season for the NFL draft. Zubin, final thing for you. Told Ken, watch 30 for 30, finish it up last night, the newest edition with Felipe Lopez. We're in the same age group. Felipe Lopez was, to me, one of the biggest guys just in sports before he made his decision at St. John's, the number one player in that class. He, the story was very interesting. I just looked at him as a basketball player, but it went, player, but it went so much deeper than that. Have you had a chance to see the latest 30 for 30 on Felipe Lopez? And I'm sure a guy that probably was an influencer for you being your age. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is he is obviously, he was everything. I tell people that are too young for this. He was everything LeBron was before LeBron with regard yep. to attention. Yep. All the magazine covers, everything you could have. And what made him interesting, and Trent, I know we're in the same age group, what makes somebody like Lopez so interesting is obviously the world is better because we can see Zion's clips on social media and we can see Vernon Carey, who will be at Duke next year, Greg Anthony's son, Cole Anthony or Kobe White or all these guys. We can see them instantaneously. Um, you can tell Joe Camp. You know, if you're a transplanted Iowa fan, you, could, you don't have to be in Muscatine to watch him. But back then, because there wasn't social media, and I don't know if you agree with this, Trent, there was just an aura around yes. that, right? I probably yes. grew up 50 minutes away from where Felipe Lopez played at Rice High School in Manhattan. And it was one of those things where I just heard about Lopez. And there was more intrigue hearing about him than actually, let's say, having YouTube back then and watching him. What's funny is if you go back, I think a lot of people would tell you, even though he was the most hyped player of his generation, did get a taste of the pros, there were people that would tell you that he didn't even end up being the best St. John's player on that team. There was a guy by the name of Zendon Hamilton. I don't know if you remember that name, Trent. He ended up being St. John's best player on that team. So to go from being the best player in New York City lore, and New York City's kind of got inflated with Marbury and Sebastian Telfair and some of these guys that were supposed to come out of New York and be so great that really hasn't worked out for a lot of them. To be that hype in an era before social media where people were just whispering and wondering about you because they couldn't connect to see you. And you go from that to really kind of flaming out and really not even being the best player on your own team when you were expected to be the best player college basketball had seen in decades. It says a lot, but he did, with his, he did a lot with his life after basketball, and that's pretty evident in 30 for 30 for sure. Zubin Mahete, ESPN. Zubin, uh, enjoy your mini vacation. When are you back on TV? Uh, we will be back next week. We'll be ready to go knee-deep in the NBA playoffs, and uh, we'll be returning our post-game show after the NBA Finals. So if it ends up being a pretty appetizing Finals, we'll be doing that again with all the press conferences. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Believe it or not, the NBA Finals actually start later this month. Good stuff. Zubin, enjoy it. We will uh, talk to you next week. Thanks for taking a few minutes away from, uh, from Oxford and your time down there and joining us. Appreciate it, Zubin. Of course, guys. Take care. Yep, good to talk to you. Zubamante from ESPN. So the 30 for 30, Felipe Lopez, I told now you. Don't spoil it because I've taped Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get into, but there is a local angle to it. Is there? There's a local angle. Should I figure this out? No, not at all. I was going to say, I can't And I had to go back and rewind a couple of times. I don't remember this at all. It was when he was in the NBA. Yeah. He's playing for the T-Wolves, and he had his knee injury. Mm-hmm. They were playing a preseason game. I think it was 2004. 
is playing a preseason game in Cedar Rapids. Don't remember yeah, that have. at all. I was a huge Felipe Lopez fan. St. John Shorts. I had, I had the whole get up, <laughs> and I saw there's a retro like uh, online place that they have those. The St. John shorts with the red and, and the white and the skyline behind them. Might have to pick up a new pair of those. Well, you're wearing my favorite ball cap that you yes, have today yeah. down to the ballpark, the Montreal Expo. Boy, that's more, a great cap, isn't it? More and more retro coming yeah. into my life as I get closer and closer to and we want to really impress me, go out and buy a Hartford Whalers jersey. Oh, that's a good one. That is a classic. I actually, there's a, there's a hat much like this one. That the is whale? The Whalers. Uh, they're, they're they're now the Carolina Hurricane. They, and they are. are very much involved in this thing and can take a commanding uh, lead. Uh, they're up three nothing. They already have to have a commanding lead. We got to take a break. When we come back, I have a question for you about that. Something I mentioned to you before the playoffs about the Islanders mm-hmm. switching the home venue. All right, want to get your forth. thoughts on that. We will uh, wrap things up here. We're live at Principal Park. The uh, Players on the field, no BP today, sadly, because, boy, we're in a great spot for BP. We're in uh, left field bleachers uh, as we continue on here on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. For details. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, Miller and Condon live at Principal Park. First pitch, 1208. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. The sun has come out, Trent Condon. Beautiful days. Played a little hooky from uh, from work. A couple of days or a couple hours down at the ballpark uh, before you have to head back. As the uh, weather looks as though it's going to cooperate, the starters are in the bullpen going through their warm ups as they get set here. We're already uh, we've reached the point of the afternoon where it's the ceremonial first pitches. Uh, <laughs> as some of the uh, some of the participants make their way to the bump to do that. Have you ever thrown out? I caught first pitch? one. You caught yes, one. Yes. Okay. Uh, when I was part, um, actually, of a former one of my former partners, uh-huh. the one I don't mention, um, he threw it and I caught it. Gotcha. <clears throat> and he bounced it and uh, and made a great pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> made a great pick. And uh, but yes, so I haven't thrown, but I did catch one right down here at principal part well if, if they're ever skimming we're gonna hopefully be here uh for a lot of these day games Absolutely. throughout the year and if maybe the person doesn't show up you can throw i'll catch this time. all right I, i'm in uh what are you who are you throwing your support behind tonight do you have a do you have anybody you like tonight well i mentioned the nba that line just seems it's so lot. weird it's crazy i was surprised toronto's favorite in philly so i think i'm gonna jump on toronto because we both thought the sixers should be favored right. in this game in philly Something's fishy there. Yeah, I'm jumping I'm on Toronto him. tonight. So what 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 possibly could be behind that? Is there an injury we don't well, know about? Joel Embiid did something crop up yeah. again? Possibility, I guess. Jimmy Butler pouting and doesn't want to participate. <laughs> he's been good in this series. Yes, he has. You know, he's been really good, especially game two. He was uh, he was terrific. Well, I'm going to watch some puck tonight. Yeah. Cubs are off. Cubs cards tomorrow. We're going to have Brian Walton on the show tomorrow. Uh, we'll do something uh, with Claxon surrounding the Kentucky Derby. The favorite Omaha Beach has been scratched. Uh, the podcast is up at kxno.com. If you missed it earlier, if you're so inclined, uh, Emery, uh, Emery Songer, John Hernandez, Chuck Reed, and myself did probably 20 minutes focusing all on one race, the the Derby. And tomorrow at some point, maybe carve out five minutes mm-hmm. to do something on uh, what I'm going to do. I'll just uh, be quiet and take notes. Yeah, but are you sorry? You're still planning on going to Prairie yeah. on Saturday? Yeah. I am too. Got I some buddies too. coming in. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to that. And I'll have my sheet after I write out what you tell me to do. 
And I'll play it's it's a fun you. place. Derby Day yeah. at Prairie Meadows is a fun, fun place. It's packed up there, and uh, I'm actually I want to you know get a look at the uh, at the new sports book. That's mm-hmm. once the governor signs it and the regulations have been passed, uh, written first of all, and then passed. We're looking like uh, probably August. We're going to be able to begin sports wagering, and I think Petey wrote it in today's paper. But it's in today's paper. Um, the Cyhawk, the handle on that game, Trent. I'm anxious oh, yeah. to see. You know, Super Bowl is the Super Bowl, and, mm-hmm. but is 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 the Seahawks game going to be the second highest bet game in the state of Iowa in a in a twelve month calendar period? That's Super Bowl will win. Seahawks yeah. second. I would think so. I would too. You think I would that would too. get more than the national championship? Absolutely. Game, than any World Series. Trent, game? it's our Super Bowl. It is the lead up, the build up, and and certainly here, maybe it's different in a casino in Northwest Iowa. It's still big. Yeah. It's still important. But maybe that is a little bit different. But here, our congregation, Central Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State. I and mean, there's a bunch of those casinos in the eastern part of the state, yes, too. So yeah. Clinton, Riverside. I mean, they're, they are going to do a bang-up business. It's I can't wait to see the statewide handle on Cyhawk. And then watch it grow as the years go on. Right. That, that's a, a really good point, and it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be oh. awesome. I am so looking forward to it. Sign off, Governor. Let's yeah, get this done. She'll get it done. All right. Thank you again to the iCubs for having us down here. First pitch, 12-08. If you don't have any plans for lunch, come on down to the ballpark. Uh, we appreciate it and loved our time being down here. We'll be back again. Murph and Andy are at 2. The Fanatics will finish up the live programming today at 4. Iowa Wild Hockey at 645. And the Morning Rush starts it all again tomorrow at 6. Thanks for being here. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.